Hey there, it's Charlie here from Asset Blocks. Oh, wait a second. Actually, it's Full Stack Business Owner. Yes, we've recently gone through a massive rebrand and pivoted our name to Full Stack Business Owner. However, we actually made some episodes of the podcast before the rebrand that we just felt were too good not to release. There was some really helpful and useful content that we think is going to help you win and become a full stack business owner. So we're still going to release this podcast. However, you will probably, actually, I know you will hear us reference asset blocks throughout it. So please note, you will hear us say asset blocks, but the show is full stack business owner, and that is what it will be called from now on. Anyway, I hope you enjoy these episodes and I'll see you on the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner. Welcome to Asset Blocks, a business owner edition because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we're talking about buying my dream car. Is this my worst money decision ever? But before we get started, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. Now, this episode is important. Similar to business, we can continue to invest in our business's growth, invest in team, sales, marketing, etc. And then at some point, we need to understand when we should take some money out. But how do we know it's the right time? How do we know that the business is ready for it? But also, how do we know why or when we should do it? It's no different to our wealth creation journey. So if you're an Australian business owner who's been investing in wealth and is asking yourself about these questions, or you want to hear Charlie and I talk a little bit about our journey and our decisions, then this episode is for you. And if you enjoy this conversation, head over to the Facebook group. Just go to Facebook search for Asset Blocks Community and join the conversation. Share your challenges, but also your journey as well. And if you do enjoy the episode, be sure to subscribe or even share it with someone else who's in a similar situation. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Charlie, you finally bought something for you. Absolutely awesome. But before we dive into your story, let's get some context. Did you just fuck your wealth by buying a car? Quite possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Was it an end of episode? It's a short episode, right? Just don't buy nice cars. (laughs) Well, I'm curious, right? Like, why does this topic have any relevance to a bunch of business owners who are trying to grow their wealth? Yeah, it's an unusual topic for our show, it is, but um, in discussions with many people, including yourself and other business owners particularly, I think all of us deep inside us have things we want to experience in life. There's purchases we want to make, whether it's really expensive cars, unnecessary cars in my case, um, and then houses, right? We envision a type of house we want to raise our family in that just might be ridiculous compared to what the average person or someone else has. So these things will come up with us and it's a bit of a journey to go on like externally and internally with how we feel about it to actually like complete those purchases. And I'll be upfront, I've struggled quite a bit with this in the last five years, really have. Yeah, and a lot of people that I talk to, I don't know, they they either sort of sit in one or two camps. It's either like a whole heap of toys, a whole heap of things for themselves or frugal to the extent of delayed gratification until a period of time that they just don't know. (laughs) 
It's like, wait, how much longer do I need to wait for this? And it's actually, it's actually an interesting point because I'm, what was the trigger, right? Like, it's not like you wake up one day and it's like, I've delayed this for 20 years. Today is the day I'm going to go and buy a car in your example or a house in someone else's. Well, it was a, a milestone for me. I'd achieved a pretty big goal in my life uh, financially. Like we'd moved through something where I'd, I'd crossed over and I'd gone, cool, this is a really big milestone for us. We actually hit a point, which I think you would call like financial independence technically. So the fire. idea being, yeah, fire. I'm a big fan of the fire community. So when we crossed that threshold, right, I wanted to mark the moment and really something shifted in me where I had made the decision where it's like, okay, we've hit this point. We now have enabled a new level of thinking and time to enjoy life a little bit more, trying to incorporate more fun and experience into our lives because there has been so many years of sacrifice. Mm. There's years we've gone without holidays, like many years. There's times when I've had to be cheap and frugal to uh, ensure that I was able to invest in my wealth or invest in my business. And I just don't think that's sustainable long term. Like delayed gratification kind of has a limit, right? It kind of has something where I, I've often joked with Bianca that it's like, I think I'm so good at delayed gratification, I could do it my entire life. <laughs> Just indefinite delayed gratification. Totally. Do you, do you think, though, that because like, a lot of people listening to this, right, like the, the fire, which is uh, a, kind of a destination, I'll call it, right? At some point, you'll hit this, this concept of financial independence and retire early or, or something like that. And, and as the, the question is, like, what do you do when you get there? All right, because you can get there by saving a boatload of money and just like not spending anything for any for any reason. Like it's like we're going to live off uh, bread. We're going to live off like the cheapest things that we possibly can. But then it's like, well, for your life moving forwards, what do you actually have to look forwards to? So is this just a that is the only point that people should be looking forwards to, or are there milestones along the way? Now I've got my opinion, and I'm going to share it in a second. But I'm curious for for you because you've had some pretty good milestones along the way that. I would almost argue you should have celebrated, but you didn't. That was a mistake in, to answer that question really directly. This is, uh, for me personally, though, this is something I've uh, struggled with. Like, I'll, I'll go back even further. The first company I had, we uh, went to seven figures. And I think for any business owner that crosses the seven-figure threshold, that should be a moment of celebration. Like, mm -hmm. I should have had a nice dinner. I should have, like, marked the moment, perhaps, like, I don't know, done something, got a tattoo, just something little to remember it. Right. But then at the same time, what do you know what I did? I'm like, sweet. When are we doing eight? Seven figures done, eight figures next. Right. And I was at work the next day hustling just as hard. And then it was only down the road did I come and regret that. And this for me was a thing where I started to go, hang on, like, if you don't take the time to celebrate and mark these moments in time, these experiences. You kind of regret it. Like I actually regret that now in that first one of like I should have celebrated and enjoyed that moment more and I really didn't. And continually this has come up for me uh, until probably the last few years. Like I think I've become much better at this where like for example when Jack was born, that was a time when I did celebrate the moment and was really present and like aiming to soak it up, like soaking up these experiences um, and just being in those moments has become something that I've had to like develop as a skill, as weird as that sounds. So that's how I've been looking at it. Yeah, and I, I would relate to that, right? So 
I've been fortunate enough where when I was starting my business career, I kind of knew quite a few people who had already gone through the journey. And so one of them was uh, Chris Ducker, who when I lived in Cebu, Philippines, it was like around the corner. So we went out for scotch nights and everything like that. And one of his big celebrations was when he hit his 100th employee, he actually went out and bought himself a Rolex. Like literally he recruited the person on the spot and he got up from his chair and he's like, that's it. I'm off to the store. Well, I'm going to go get the Rolex. That that was the milestone that he had because in his company, it was a staff leasing company. So, obviously, that was profit that was coming in. I'm like, that is a great win. And then also when I started a, a software company that I'm part of, which is software as a service company, uh, one of the other shareholders, every milestone that they had, whether it was a child being born or like a celebration of a wedding, they would buy a painting. And so, in their house, they actually had these amazing paintings, uh, very different. Like, it, there's no theme on this thing. And I've always walked in. I'm like, what What did they go with these paintings? And like, well, that painting, we all went out as a family. We bought it because this happened. Or that painting was when I sold out of the company that I sold out of. And this is what it means to me. And I just thought that was like amazing. I was just like, what? <laughs> it's I, like- I actually concur. I think that's awesome because every time you see that painting in your home, it's likely to connect to that memory, that moment. And like to be able to relive those special moments is something I think every business owner should have in their lives, in all honesty. Yeah. And it's, I think the, the great part that I see it as is the, there's no, there's no level of expense that has to indicate it, but there's, it can be anything. <laughs> it could be going out for a really nice dinner. It could be buying something tangible, intent. It doesn't matter. It's almost like stopping along the way is kind of key. But I, I am curious, before I dive into a little bit about me and sort of what I use and the milestones that I go off and things like that, you got to tell us, what did you get? What did I get? And you can see like anyone who's watching the video right now, my cheeks are like uh, lighting up. So I bought something that is a, a very important purchase to me particularly. So I got a 2000 and I think it's 2006. It might be 07 technically, but it's a 2006 year make. Subaru WRX STI D-Spec is the model and brand of car I've got. That is, for anyone listening to that, if you don't know what that is, that is, so I'm a little bit of back in the day, a bit of a rally head and most of my housemates when I was going through uni were all drifters. And so cars were a little bit sort of in my blood. This is like the, a pristine example of what a car looks like the second you get it off the factory floor, even though it's like almost 20 years later. <laughs> this thing looks as if it had just come off the factory floor. Now, people don't go and just buy this type of car because it's the prices of these cars have gone up over the last couple of years, right? Why was this thing so special to you? Like, why why was it this thing? What? It's not like you were just like, ah, oh, that's that's a car and it's up for sale. Like, you looked for this car. I know you and I have shared a lot of links over quite a period of time of cars you got to go look at. Um, like, what what was about it for this car, or what was about this car for you? I'll answer that question in two parts. I'll say why for me, and then I'll talk about the why this particular model and make and things like that as well. Okay, so um, my mom actually had a – she got a Subaru WRX for her 40th birthday. Now, at about that time, I was about 16. So, it was the car I learned to drive in. It was literally the – it was a manual gearbox and my parents wanted me to learn to drive manual, which was a good decision. And so when I was cruising around in a 16-year-old on L-plates, this was the car I learned to drive in. (laughs) And and I'm not going to lie, the first time I got into that car, like way too powerful for someone who's learning to drive (laughs) and a very unforgiving clutch for someone to learn to drive. But it's kind of like 
if you just got dropped into the NBA, like maybe you would de- develop quicker because everyone around you was like of that nature. Or if you started hanging out with a lot of successful business owners, I think people develop quickly just due to what they're surrounded in. So I'm in this performance vehicle, all-wheel drive, like not understanding like I'm uh, dropping it from meant to going from third to fourth into second. I'm uh, trying to work out how to downshift and just like over revving it. But it was a really special, enjoyable time in my life. And then eventually, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this uh, part of the episode, but I uh, maybe, and it's like, this is only a rumor. It's never been confirmed. (laughs) Might have taken it out a couple of times at night to have some fun. (laughs) As all good 16-year-old children do. I don't know what you're talking about, Grant. It's only a rumor. <laughs> that was, you could write books about this kind of stuff. But isn't that interesting because it comes back to the childhood. It's a really special memory in my life at that time. And, like, I uh, again, Limp Bizkit CD was out at this time as well. Chocolate, Chocolate Starfish. Starfish. Yep. So it's Great just like stuff. it is a fantastic album. We could probably do a whole episode just <laughs> on the quality of that album. But um, for me, there's this really like uh, happy moment in my life in this youth connected with driving a Subaru WRX with a Limp Bizkit CD on. And I, I realize for a lot of people listening to this that you might go, well, this makes no sense to me. Like this isn't of interest or anything like that. But I imagine most of us, actually probably all of us, have some memories connected to certain times in our lives that were really special or music or experiences. And being able to recreate some of that has been uh, – like my cheeks hurt from smiling. Just driving this thing around with this big grin. Everyone's like, what is this guy talking about? But I think I actually think that there's that piece of beauty behind that that story, right? And I think this is where a lot of people just accumulate for the sake of accumulating, right? Or buying something for the sake of buying something as opposed to having having that sort of deep-rooted connection to something itself. But you're saying like I wanted to go on to your second point, which is like, why this specific car? Yeah, I just find it funny as well. Like, I haven't actually had a car in maybe five years. Like, I've just Ubered everywhere and used Bianca's car, which she has a, a nice car, which is a Tiguan or – yeah, it's a Volkswagen Tiguan, which I quite like as well. Um, but nonetheless, like, to get this in my life has been a really good experience. Now, I'd originally said, oh, look, I'm not going to get a WRX because they depreciate hard. Um a lot of them have been heavily modified and you just like, you basically, if you buy one of these things, you might as well, whatever you paid for it, triple it because that's what you're going to be paying for in repairs. It's quite old. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons why you shouldn't buy one. And I'd uh, sent you many links on the idea of like, well, what if I just buy a really cheap one and it's already depreciated as much as it can. And you know, it's been like completely uh, modified too far and you'll have to fix a lot of things, but it's so cheap. Like it'll be okay. Yep. Just like burn 20 grand. It's accept it to have this experience. But uh, after doing some research, uh, a car popped up on uh, car sales that I hadn't seen before, which was this STI uh, D-Spec one. Yeah. Now, this specific card, they only made 300 of them. There's only 300 of them in the world. Majority of them are in the UK. I imagine I probably have one of the only ones in Australia. And it was specifically built um, for executives who wanted a WRX STI but didn't want to uh, look like it was a, basically a rally car with a big <laughs> wing and like cop bait, we'll call it. Yeah. So they've made this limited edition on this year where it's like, cool, you can have one of these things. It look, just looks like a stock WRX on the outside, but it is completely STI, which is like the high-performance version of this car. 
underneath. So you get the six-speed manual, you get all the upgrades that would come with that, all those types of elements which make it a bit of a collector's item. So one of the boxes that I looked at here and gone, hang on, there's only 300 of these in the world. I imagine some of them are no longer driving or being uh, unfortunately in accidents or things like that where they're uh, no longer 300 of them. There's probably far less. And then this one particular only had 52,000 Ks on it. It's actually been uh, housed by a collector um, who, who bought the car to basically just, he thinks it's going to go up in value over time. So I looked at that and I said, well, it really shifted my view here where, and maybe I'm being optimistic and using this idea to justify the purchase. But I was like, imagine if I bought this thing and it could go up in value over the next 10 years. Like, ooh. And then we've had some conversations, Grant, where we actually, you know some people where they've bought cars that have gone up in value as well of a similar nature. Yeah, and I find this interesting, right, because I'm going to unpack your thinking because I actually think you have a whole heap of – how do I put it? Like the the curse of knowledge or this subconscious justification of buying things where as as we're business owners, we will typically look at scenarios of going, well, how can I extract some kind of profit out of a scenario? Yes, everything in my life is an ROI equation. I'm glad we worked that out. Fantastic. Exactly. And so, uh, and it's really interesting because I've got some stories on this because by the time you add that business owner layer, which is great, everything that I do needs to be some kind of, generate some kind of revenue, some kind of profit. But then as you've gone down this investment path, which is what everyone listening to this podcast is like business owners who are focusing on their wealth creation, it's also this secondary layer of, okay, well, what does this look like over a period of time? And it's really interesting talking to quite a lot of our friends um, around, well, what have they bought? And so I've got some very close friends who one owns a, a combi, a V-dub combi, an old school, like they had an 87 or an 88 or something like that. Why did you buy it? I like this car and over time these things become collector's items, but I just like the car. And so he's had this thing for a decade and this thing just keeps going up and up and up and up and up, similar with someone else with their Porsche 911. Uh, even to the extent of another business owner who listens to this podcast, loves it. I remember 10 years ago when him and I were kind of just starting our business journey, he went and bought a, it probably don't, won't mean much to many people, a Nissan S14, a Nissan Silvia S14 Series 2. And he bought it from the very first owner who was a 50-year-old doctor for like twelve dollars or $13,000. Right now, he's got it up for sale for about $33,000, $34,000, right? About 10 years later. So, this thing's gone up by, by 20 grand. And similarly, I've got another friend of mine who went and bought a brand new Rolex for about $14,500 and it's now worth just under about $40,000. Right, And all of these people, I, compared to other people that I know who have bought toys, I'll call them, that have significantly depreciated, they're, they're not too different. Like They both own cars, they both own watches. It just seems to be that business owners and people who understand investing have this deeper rooted view of a value in what they buy, whether it is by complete chance, which I don't think it is, <laughs> or they're actually looking at these things going... If I appreciate this and it looks like it's kind of like this piece of art and I appreciate it for what it is, what it has been created as, over a period of time, it's typically for the people that I'm surrounded by, it either goes up or it maintains value. And so my opinion is that just because they've had this ROI equation so deep-seated in their head that everything they buy needs to have some kind of retained value as opposed to a, let's just trash it (laughs) after I use it, I just want to get rid of it. 
I, I will say on the I think there's a huge component of that um, that's true in a big way. And I will say that I, the car I bought, I paid more for it than it was when I think it originally came out. Yes, <laughs> you did. So, it, um, so when I look at it, it's hard to say that these items can't go up in value. There's definitely an element of this being a collectible and it, it should. I'm not going to pretend I'm a car collector and I understand these things at that level, but it should go up in value, but I hope it does because that'd be a really nice little win here. But uh, to talk more deeply into what you said there, I, I found it additionally more interesting that there seems to be uh, – People who buy these things to impress others versus people who buy these things for them. Yep. Like uh, when I'm in that car with Limp Bizkit cranking and I've just hit 3,000 RPM and that turbo kicks in and my head kicks back a little bit, like that's for me. That's for no one else. Correct. That's something where I'm really enjoying it, where I think a lot of people make these purchases like, you know, again, they'll buy the Porsche and it's really to drive around and say, well, look at me, I've got a Porsche. Exactly. And um, it's a big, big difference. And I think when people are getting to the point when they're making these types of purchases, they've reached a point where they can do these things that they ask themselves the question is like, is this really for me? Yeah, because like adding more on top of that, when you have had so much delayed gratification, right? Like we spend money, like well, we're, we're going to talk about sort of in future episodes around the next properties that we're buying and things like that. Uh, when you invest that amount of money, and you always look at, well, what's the ROI that I'm going to get? It is such a calculated decision where when you're buying a toy, you almost can't get away from that calculated decision. <laughs> right? I'll tell you right now, it's so much, e- it's easy for me to spend a million dollars on property. Like, not, no question. I'll just go for it. If I'm going to buy another property, a million bucks, sweet. Not e- don't have to think about it. Obviously, yep. the property is going to make sense and have a reason in the portfolio. But it's like, that's not a concern for me. But spending uh, money on a car, which doesn't have that equation, I think it's taken months for me it to has. like go back and forth. Uh, you kindly had a, a a very kind, encouraging chat with me about, hey, basically stop being such a tight ass and actually do something for yourself in your life. And I, I appreciate that conversation, uh, Grant, that we had. It was uh, certainly one of the things that got me over the line. But again, this money stuff's interesting in that way that a purchase that can literally be like a tenth of the size can mess with us so differently when we don't have those values aligned in the same way or we feel it's counterproductive to the goals we have. 100%. And I do remember running around that room that you're in right now with my hands in the air celebrating when you put the deposit on. <laughs> because it, cause, And it comes back to that whole point of it, life isn't just about accumulating more wealth, which is it's great, by the way. Like I will, I will forever play this game because I think it's such a good game. Business and investments for wealth generation is like i think is the greatest thing on the face of the planet but having milestones along the way to stop and really smell the roses as opposed to always sort of foregoing those happiness and things in life i just i just don't think it's healthy however i don't think it's a floodgate of justifying why you should go and spend and buy a car every single week <laughs> right like i think having those milestones celebrating it but having something that's so meaningful to you that it might not make sense to anybody else, right? Everyone else goes, why that car? That makes no sense. Or why that watch? Or why that artwork? And to you, it's like, I don't really care. It's what I wanted and it's the symbol for me to go. I'm. It's like putting the flags up Mount Everest, right? This is my next milestone and I'm going to go up there next. And this is my next milestone and I'm going to keep going up, right? I'm going to keep staking my flags in until I get to where I want to get to 
And along the way, every, as I look back down and I see all my flags, I go, that was that I, I celebrated every step of that way. And it's, it's the right thing to do, in my opinion, anyway. I'm certainly enjoying it. And it's one of the things you've had, I will say, this is something where you've definitely had a huge influence on me with because of the things you've done with your watches along the way. And I'm like, hang on, this is um, actually a great idea that I haven't incorporated it in my life. So um, it's a huge thing. I've, I've probably taken a lot from you in that way here, but um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I should, I should unpack that for everyone. And I, I thoroughly appreciate that. So for me, um, when I had these other people around me going, well, we celebrate these wins. Um, I was like, ah, oh, this is this is quite interesting, and it was actually uh, it was uh, sort of if you rewound the clock a couple of years prior to that, I was twenty one, and my parents when it was my twenty first birthday was like, what did you want? And I said, I want something that I could remember for the rest of my life, something I'm not going to throw out, something that is not too big that I'll forget it or sell it or leave it or something like that. That's something that's not too inconvenient for me. And I said, I would love a watch, and I would like just like a watch that is good enough that can stay with me for the rest of my life. And my parents are not millionaires or anything like that, so it was, it was just a reasonable watch. I mean, it was a Tissot, and I still remember it. I, I looked high and low, and I'm like, this type of watch is going to be timeless. Um, and so they gave it to me on my 21st, and like, I still have this watch, and I still love this watch, et cetera. And so talking to these business owners around well, how they were marking their milestones, mostly in business, not too much in sort of wealth creation, I'm like, this is the thing. This is this appreciation for people handcrafting watches. I can buy a watch for $100 if it's a small milestone. I can buy a watch for $100,000 if it's a massive milestone. So this can extract, like expand and contract as I need to. Um, and so watch on my 21st, uh, I then sold uh, some equity in one of my companies at a valuation of $5 million. And so when I sold that, I went and bought another watch that just indicated that success. And it was just great. That was my big, sort of one of my biggest sellouts at that point in time. I said, this is to celebrate my big sort of sale of some equity. I got a watch on my wedding. So my lovely wife bought me a watch and I will forever have that watch as an indication of like, this is my wedding. Go Hazel. (laughs) Um, And as a matter of fact, I'm currently in the market for another watch for an event that might be happening over the next sort of six to 12 months, which we'll share on this podcast. I was going to say, don't give anything away. (laughs) We want to share it on the podcast when it happens. Yeah. And so these things for me is like, I will look at these things and I can tell you, how much each one of these watches means to me because the story that supports that thing is almost more important than the thing itself, right? But when I wear it, I go, wow, this was when my parents gave this me this watch on my 21st birthday, how good are my parents, et cetera. Or this is what Hazel wore. Uh, this is what Hazel bought me and I bought her a watch as well. So when, when we go out on our like anniversaries and stuff, uh, these are the things that we can wear. Because we have sort of that com- combined sort of appreciation for it, so that's about a little bit about my story of like watches and things like that. It's not like I just go out and, and acquire things. There is this huge story behind it, and it means huge amounts to me. Yeah, I can tell even in the way you speak. About it. You've got the <laughs> smile now. I'll, I'll get off my high horse and these rosy ass cheeks coming out now. So, all right, there's always a story. Like I can tell you about every single watch and the detail that goes behind every single one of these watches. Tell us a story about this car. So I guarantee you didn't just drive to some guy's house and just go, cool, thanks for the car, especially if it was a collector. And you guarantee you that's not how it went. So how did this thing go? I, uh, I, will, I won't name him on the podcast just because I haven't um, spoken to him. But what's really interesting here is I, think, I actually think I have a new friend and I hope he <laughs> listens to this and he feels the same way because there was a bit of, bit of bromance and synergy going on between this. So um, 
I, I saw the ad on car sales and I, I messaged this guy and started uh, chatting with him. And basically the first rounds of communication we had is like, I think he'd been messed around a lot by other people who had shown interest in the car and then not come through and fallen through and like he was kind of fed up. So um, I uh, sent him some messages and he's like, I'm so like, if you, if you haven't got the cash ready, like don't even bother, I'm not negotiating, like this is what it is. And I'm like, Oh wow! Like this is um, this is unusual. <laughs> so I think you know, like if you put things for sale, people send you lowball offers and and make the whole experience like not as good as it could be. Yeah, really, really do. So um, I um, I, I I did something a little bit coy. I took a photo of a screenshot of my bank account with the account number blurred out, and I just sent it out. And I go, look, I'm good to go. I'm probably not like the other people you've been dealing with. You know, here's some proof. And after I sent him that, like something flipped. Suddenly, like he's communicating really well and nicely to me. He's calling me. We're texting each other about the car and he's like showing me the features. He's sending me different photos. Like he's doing walk around videos. Like he's genuinely uh, showing the care he's put into this vehicle and like really making sure. And this is the thing I got. He was making sure that I knew what I was getting. (laughs) Yep. He's like, this isn't some... WRX that's been butchered. He's like, this is like, a, it's a piece of art. Yeah. Like everything's stock. Like I refuse to change anything on it because I want to keep it pristine. And I, I love the word he used, the pedigree. It's like, oh, how man. dare people uh, devalue the pedigree of STI? And I'm like, I am enjoying what you were telling me. <laughs> this is, you, you are in safe hands right now. <laughs> Completely. And um, anyway, we start chatting. I start to like sending more texts and like it turns out this guy's got other cars and before you know it, he's sending me uh, photos of his other cars he's got and he's telling me about them and like uh, it turns out he's a, a business owner who does things in property as well. Surprise, like <laughs> of course. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, we're like uh, sometimes when I talk with people, I'm like, oh, we're, we're like really similar in our thinking. Like we're thinking about the same things, we're doing this and like I've never met this guy before or anything like it's just like a a random connection it was, it was so refreshing to me to actually uh speak with someone else that like could be lonely when you play this game as a business owner building wealth there's not many Definitely. of us in australia so when you find other people like it it's exciting because you get to like well what are you doing how are you doing it i actually learned a few things he's done things completely differently in the wealth side of things than i have and i'm like i didn't even know this game existed yep so I'm like I've taken benefit in uh, the relationship from it in that way as well, which was really cool. And even when I, I got to where I picked the car up from, like we hugged. I'm like, oh my god, we're meeting each other. Like, so it was really, it was really, really special in that way. And um, I did that. But um, getting to the vehicle uh, was a bit of a challenge. So I'm in uh, Melbourne, and I had to get up to Sydney. And I was like, all right, well, I've got to make this work. I've got a young family. I've got a business. Like it was a it was something where I was like, originally, I'm like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll get the car and I'll get it couriered down to me and like, it'll be fine. And I was like, not sure I can do that. And I don't trust courier people either. Have you seen removalists? <laughs> it was more than that though. Like I, want, like I was in this very like um, symbolic mode, mm-hmm. kind of like I want to mark this moment. I'm like, I have to drive this car back. Like picking up the car has to be part of this experience to 100%. create it. So, um, and then that was actually like carnage because the at the exact time this is going down is at the same time there's floods and insane rain going through uh, Sydney and like 
basically the I, I would book transport. So I'd go, all right, cool. I'm going to grab a, a flight. Cancelled. Then I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to fly. I'll, I'll book a train and I'll do the overnight cabin. I'll get a bed. It'll be okay. Booked it. Get a text two days before it cancelled. Um, like shit. All right, then I, I booked another uh, flight. I get to the airport, delayed four hours. All right, so I'm like, oh, this is like I'm I'm meeting massive amounts of like resistance, and like at this point, I'm like, am I getting signs I shouldn't do this? <laughs> no, just just validating indicators to say yes, you need to push harder for this. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just like make sure you push harder. Well, I uh, I'm the words that went through my mind is like, how bad do you want this? You, you won't be able to get this again. Do you really want to go your life not having this? Um, because, like, this isn't an experience you'll be able to easily re- recreate. Exactly. So you're going to, like, just like in business, you're going to overcome the challenges and get after it or is this your, is this your cutoff point? And I was like, no way. So I'm, I'm at the – so I get to the airport. They give me this delay thing, which I got there early as well, which, like, meant I was going to be hanging out in the airport for, like, at least six hours. I'm like, no, nah, this is it. So I run up to another – I try to get on another flight with uh, the same airline first. They can't help me. They're like they're having trouble with getting planes in and, you know, they've always got their story. I run up to another airline and I say, look, I need to get to Sydney as quick as possible. Can you help me? They say yes, but it's four times the price of a normal <laughs> flight. <laughs> and uh, I, I will mark this thing here. This is the moment when if you've done the hard work in, in business, you have options. Yep. If you've been good with your money and set up a good business, you have options. Most, um, I shouldn't say most, but many people in different circumstances can't afford to just, well, I lost the money on the first flight because I've just had to void my ticket. I've come across to here and bought this one. Right? I've come up and just directly gone, bang. Bought out this whole new flight here for four times that. So by the time I'm adding this up, it cost me ten times more than it normally would <laughs> to get to Sydney. Ten times, and I'm like, I'm still a little bit gutted by that. I've just added that to the price of the car to feel better about myself. That's what you do. <laughs> and then went, so I get, I get to, I finally get there, and I'm going to tell you when I landed and I was in the place, I was like, kiss the soil. I was like, I have achieved something here. I felt very, very accomplished at this point. Um, And then I get in a car and I message uh, the guy I'm buying the car from. And I'm like, awesome, I'm going to go straight over to pick it up from here. So nailed it. I'm like, damn, yeah, got it, covered it. I get to the place and I, um, so I'm driving. It's about a 30-minute drive to actually get there, which worked out pretty well. Um, Worked out very, very well. And I'm uh, getting to the driveway here and I open it up and he's got it parked in the center of this long driveway. With a and I get out oh, and I can just see the headlights. And I'm like, the smile on my face just starts appearing and I go down this long driveway and then me and the guy I purchased for, we just hug and he's high-fiving and it was like, it was, and I know this will sound weird, it was kind of like um, you've been away for a while and you come back and your partner's picking you up for the, from the airport. It was yeah. a bit weird. It was a bit weird in that way. But I felt like I Brilliant. knew this guy. Bromance. It was bromance. It was bromance. And then we're, we're going over the car and then he takes me for a drive in it. And then I'm – oh, sorry, I was driving. Apologies. So I'm driving in it. He's taking me through all the quirks and features of the car, buys me a tank of fuel, and, like, everything's just going so well. And I'm smiling. I'm smiling. And we go back to uh, the place where it is and um, we, we're doing the paperwork of the exchange. 
And I'm like, cool. So I ring Bianca and say, cool, can you please put through the payment? She's got the bank transfers all set up to go and she does it. And uh, for whatever reason, we had to do it over multiple transfers because of payment limits and how the system had worked. And the first payment goes through, no problem. And then the second payment doesn't go through. <laughs> doesn't go through, Grant. Um, um, so I'm standing there and I'm like, I've, I've paid for half the car and we couldn't pay for the other half. And uh, it's like uh, my heart sank in the moment that I couldn't pick up this car. Oh, no. And I'm like, all right, got to call the bank. Got to call the bank. So we, we call the bank and uh, like just basically get messed around. But basically, I had to sit with this car for two hours. I felt terrible. I'm holding up the guy I'm buying it from immensely. And he, this whole cycle of just like just was terrible, absolutely terrible. He's got a three-month-old he needs to get home to and his wife's calling him like, when are you going to be home? I'm sitting there just feeling like the biggest asshole in the world for not being able to get the payment cleared when he's been messed around. He's been really good. The car's perfect, um, pristine condition, all original, everything. And uh, I sit there and wait for two hours. Now, after – and I, I feel for Bianca like screaming at the banks to like release the payment – uh, and they eventually did, but their reason was there's been a ton of fraud in the system in more recent times yep. and people doing car scams and they were concerned the payment was actually someone stealing money from us. So that was the bank's reason. Um, but at the same time, I was like absolutely gutted. So I eventually get this uh, car. It's like 9.30 at night now by this time. I'm in the car, I'm sitting it, and like I'm just exhausted. Naked. So do you want to know the first thing I did? <laughs> Go on. Drove to a servo and got a MaxiBot and just stood out the front of the car, had a MaxiBot and uh, looked at the car <laughs> in a service station in Sydney. It was either that or a coffee. It was one of the two. And it was at yeah. night, so of course it asked for access. And MaxiBot nonetheless. It was either that or a gate on. Again, a nostalgic purchase once again. <laughs> Dude, how, how amazing. And I, there is actually one thing that you have omitted from this story, which was before you had left before you had decided to buy it, this, this guy had recognised you. I was going to get to that part after because it was actually a little bit in it. So it ter- turns out, right, um, he decided to stalk me a little bit and just you know check out that I'm a real person before I uh, came and got the car, right? And I would too. If someone's come to my house to buy a car, I'd probably do like a social media search and stuff like that and see what's up and see if this guy's legit. I'd stalk you. I would too. I would too. Um, <laughs> Anyway, he, he actually searched for me and found the Asset Blocks podcast. He'd be <laughs> listening to the podcast. So when I got there, he's like, yeah, you've got to have a good mortgage broker, right? Listening to your episode about like you can't add any value to shares. Like you, absolutely, like property's superior. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is, this is, I'm in the right spot. And I, yeah, I liken all of those things to one, everything that's good in this world is always challenging. Right, like buying your very first investment property is always carnage. <laughs> always takes more time, costs more than you anticipate, all those kind of things. Business, highly rewarding, extremely challenging, right? Sometimes it's just like eating glass. You're just like, oh man. But it doesn't change when you go and acquire, like even sort of these personal I don't know, toys, assets. I don't know. We'll talk about where they sit on the balance sheet in a minute. Um, like it's almost like part of the story. And the enjoyment is almost like how much pain did you go through, <laughs> especially when you kind of get there and it's like, this is everything that I thought it would be and more. Because there's, you know, 
I always liken it to the example of you've obviously walked into a store before and bought something. Just get the card out, whoop, bought, get it. And then the next day, like th- there is no connection to it. There is no oh, – it wasn't difficult to get. It wasn't like you go and compared it to a thousand different things. And then it's not that you've got buyer's remorse, but you just don't have that same appreciation for it. Where in the story of someone who's basically seen at this Asset Blocks podcast, you've literally walked over hot coals and eaten glass to try and get to this car. And then he's sat there and supported you through it because, and like, you've done all of these validating points screenshot of the bank account. Hey, like, I know, I basically know your brand now. I've seen you on Asset Blocks. So I I know where you live essentially. Right, so the guy's now got okay credibility in you on going. Okay, well, I, this guy's legit. Like the banks are just doing something, so I'll, I'll try and stay here with you and stuff like that. All to get to this point of in front of a servo. Probably it was guarantee it was a BP with a maxi bond. Do I actually think it was an Ampol or something? Oh, it wasn't even a branded servo at this time. <laughs> so, all right, so you, you're knackered, you're exhausted. This guy's probably exhausted too, by the way. And it sounds like he. I, actually, I saw the photos. He had cleaned this thing. He had detailed this thing. This, I reckon he almost probably shed a tear when you drove this thing away. Like he loved this car, but and you could see it. Like the car's immaculate. So you're exhausted. Please tell me you slept in it. Oh, I, I had booked a motor in where I went back to the room and passed out. But to to your point is like I, I didn't actually sleep that well either. I woke up very early. It was just like such a was such an overwhelming experience, but it's something I'll never forget, right? Yeah. I'm uh, on one side of me, it's like, I really wish it went a bit more smoothly. I do. But on the other side of me, it's like, this is now so memorable. It's marking this experience at a bigger level. And I'm like, okay, well, cool. I'm definitely going to remember this. This is one I'm, I'm really going to remember. And uh, to your point, he absolutely like, um, I, if I was selling the car, you would want it to go to a good home, right? Because you know what it is. You don't want someone who's going to like just basically butcher it and modify it to hell and lose everything that the car was. You want to see that journey go on. And when he connected the dots that I was going to, you know, pass the torch, I'm going to look after this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like he got a wheel alignment done on it the day before for me. Like the tie, like people wash a car, but how many times do you see people like actually clean the tires and like blacken them to look good? I was like, all right, we're, we're here. We, we yeah. know where it is. And it, it's actually interesting, right? Because I know I was sharing stories about uh, a lot of our friends who have different types of these things, right? Whether it's artwork, whether it's cars, whether it's watches, whatever it is, it's almost like the people, they buy them off unless they're buying them brand new. It, it is almost like that torch passing, right? And it's really interesting because the amount of people that have extended their network by acquiring these kind of, we'll call them collectibles is probably a better term. Um, because they meet other people in a very similar mindset. Because some of these toys or collectibles aren't cheap, right? But especially the ones that like you're talking about, which is completely unchanged. It is like the artwork has come off the factory floor. My friend's V-Dub um, combi van, friend's watch, friend's Nissan. Like these things are just untouched. And so the people who buy them are also people who will appreciate the beauty that they are. And the only people that do that are usually the ones that have the money to do it, right? A lot of people who are buying these collectibles are not putting them on debt. They're usually buying them with cash, right? And so, okay, well, if you're buying an expensive car or an expensive watch with cash, then you have be hit some kind of success in order to achieve that cash, which means now you're starting to get into this world of 
are these people that is just like unlocked, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, wow, these people exist. There are people like me out there. And yeah, so anyone who's buying these things, like talk to them. Like I was talking to a mate of mine with, with his watches and holy smokes, like, he buys them off people with Bentleys and stuff like that. So then they go on car trips together and it's like you find these people in these spaces that are just so similar who have gone on the same journey. It's just, it's just fascinating how small this world is and how these like collectible like little groups get unlocked. It's, it's they act wonderful. as filters, right? When, yeah. when I used to play a lot of golf, whenever I would go play it um, or as a member at a, a club, it was like, well, you know, if the price to be a member at this club is expensive, you know everyone else has to have come up with the money to pay there and it's like you're filtering out the people that wouldn't pay that for that value. Exactly. This is a another benefit of these types of things is to your point is like the status, the network, the access, like it can create opportunities. I'm not going to say always, depends on what you buy and how you approach it, but definitely can see some of the benefits from that side of things as well. Yeah, and like we talked about like same with where you live uh, on that episode of uh, Buy Versus Rent. <laughs> it was yeah, where you live also unlocks these opportunities. So I, I am curious because I actually don't know the answer to this question. So Bianca is like certified accountant. She's looking at this thing going, Oh man! Actually, Bianca was super encouraging. I'm not even going to make a joke she, about she it. Re- she, was- she really was. Bianca was incredibly encouraging, and uh, much like yourself, is was like, "When are you going to do, do something for you? Yeah, <laughs> you've grinded and like I again, like I think many business owners will relate to this in the idea that uh, first couple of years in business, I didn't make any money. Yep. The next couple of years, I was in constant fear that this is all going to end, and I better save some cash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Spend. F- so let's say that's four years, right? So that's four years. You're like wiring in this stuff of like, you know, money's scarce. You've got to do it and like you're delaying gratification. And I would say I probably have taken that too far. I will say I've also got exceptional results because of it. But I do think that there's a merit to some balance within this. So where did Bianca put it on the balance sheet? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to look at it in these reports. Well, I mean uh, – if an art collector had a balance sheet, they would put the art on the asset side of the balance sheet, would they not? Correct. Okay. Um, if I, but if I went out and I bought a Toyota Corolla tomorrow, Lovely. I wouldn't be putting that on the asset same value because it's just going to depreciate. Correct. Interesting. So um, I, I think this has to go on the asset side. <laughs> I love, yeah. <clears throat> so for anyone listening, Charlie does have a verbal agreement with me that I said, if you ever need to sell this car, I will pay the same amount that you bought it for. <laughs> so, this, this thing is not going to depreciate. It's, it's completely fine. I've been thinking about it. So, what I'm going to do is every, uh, every like, I don't know, maybe six months, three months, I'll see how often is suitable. I'm going to get on car sales and see what equivalent are selling for and I'm going to put that in as the value, just like I would in a property, right? You get it valued every uh, time and put it in. I'm actually going to track if this car does go, pardon me, up in value. It'd be really interesting to see how this pro- uh, progresses from here. And I'm completely fine if it doesn't because I'm going to get a great car. <laughs> <laughs> but, this, but this is like, I'm, I'm joking about it. I, um, I just look at these things and you know, I don't want people to sort of listen to this and say, well, this is a great way to justify buying sort of things and just flagging them as, as collectibles. So it's like, well, I just bought this thing. It's collectible. Right, like it's like I know we always have like the latest Apple technology and stuff, which is a complete liability. Like those things depreciate in value like <laughs> immensely. It's not a collectible. It's not something that has some kind of resale value. My new Mazda, it's, it's not a collectible. 
Like even if I held that thing for 20 years, it's not going to be these things. And so just when you make these milestones, you can do whatever you would like. It doesn't matter. The underlying underlying point is to have those milestones. And I'm going to get to some of the thoughts of, from you, Charlie, around what you think these milestones could be for different people who are listening. But it's more looking at it of don't just try and have some kind of thing. Put some meaning behind it. What have you always wanted, right? Like I've, I've spoken to guys recently who got hitting like $5 million in property. What are you, what are you doing to mark? What are you doing to mark that? Don't just have a steak dinner at home and go, well, <laughs> we're happy. Do something, right? Mark it on the calendar. Have something that you can look back at it as so that you can really just go, oh, wow. But to your point, these internal and external struggles around how we have wired ourselves to make sure that everything <laughs> that we possibly do is an ROI, yeah, it can work two ways. I really look at this one and uh, will go for myself is like I've struggled to spend money on myself because it seems counterproductive to my wealth goals. Like every cent I don't spend on investing is money that is not helping me towards that. And I would say that that's pretty embedded in me in the uh, last many years because it's been such a focus. So changing that can be very, very difficult, can be very, very difficult. I also know people that are, as soon as they get money, they blow it. Their wiring is, well, I'm just going to have the latest everything at all times and I'm never going to work on my wealth. Yep. So knowing that is, I think, a huge component of making sure your wiring is supporting what you actually want for your life long term and not just chasing status if you don't want status. Yeah. The second thing I'll say is that I really think there needs to be a point of individuality around this. Like the WRX is not going to mean anything to most people. Like it's a for me thing. So I look at that and go that every business owner I've spoke to, if you really get to know them, has something in them. Like in in your case, it's the the watches. I know for others, it's like art is a good one as well. Like there's these purchases that uh, they look at, which can maybe just seem like emotional or uh, not the same as like investing in shares in property, which is very intentional investing. So I would look at that and really hope people can connect with what's important to them. And the question uh, that I ask myself is, can I really go my whole life without having this? Will I regret never having a WRX? It looks like, you know, in our lifetime, petrol cars are probably going to be phased out. We're going to move to electrics. So in the next 20 years, will it even be possible for me to have a WRX in the same way that is possible today? Um, So a really important point I made is, and I hope every business owner takes from this, is like, what, what are the ones you, you're not willing to go without? It doesn't have to be logical. It doesn't even have to be reasonable, but it's like are you really willing to go your life without that holiday, without that car, without that house? Like what's truly important to you? Yeah, and it's actually a really good step into sort of one point that I wanted to make, which was whatever you do choose to go and buy or, or sort of indicate those milestones along the way, keep your investment hat on, not in the sense that, potentially the car could double over a period of time, but also in the sense of understanding what you're really buying, right? Like don't go and mark your milestone of, I don't know, buying a million dollars worth of property if that's where you're getting to and going and getting a loan to go and buy a new Ferrari, right? The ratio of what you're celebrating (laughs) to what you're buying is, is completely out of whack. Now, I don't have any indicators of the exact type of ratio for it, Right? But you just need to be the one that uh, evaluates that, right? Because it doesn't need to be crazy. Like the reason I like watches, I have watches that are worth, worth less than $1,000. And it still means the exact same to me as watches that are worth significantly more. Why? 
because it was to indicate that point in time. Totally. Right? And that's that's the, the key message I, I want to provide to people here. So whether you celebrate every investment property that you get, I'm for it. I'm down with it. No problems at all. But just don't go and overcapitalize on what you're going to celebrate it with. Right. So if you're completely. Yeah. So if you're buying million dollar properties and celebra- every, celebrating every million is million dollars, I know. Indicate that with something, yeah, relative to that. And don't go and load up on debt to go and buy it. It's like I do know some people who've got some very nice cars on debt, hundred eighty thousand dollars cars. Perfectly brand new, great car, debt. And you go, okay, well, just be cautious about understanding what pressure that has. And I'm going to use you as an example of this, Charlie. I remember standing in your kitchen before you had made the choice on this car and you're like, don't understand, Grant. If I look at the money that I would save if I put that money into an offset account and then if I look at the amount of money it's going to cost me for insurance, petrol, registrations, all of these things over a period of time, my net position is significantly less. <laughs> How can I justify this as an investment? I'm like, you can't. You just can't. Good answer. <laughs> like, this is, I said, this is not. This is, you have got to this point in life where more is not going to move the needle. you earning a significant amount of money more or delaying this gratification until you're 60 when you can't enjoy it. Like, this is a point where what you're looking at compared to your net wealth, <laughs> like, it's... It, it's a drop in the ocean. Like it's th- th- these things is like, it, this is a great celebration vehicle. Like if you came to me saying, I'm going to buy a half a million dollar Bentley, my response would have been very different, <laughs> right? But that that's kind of where it comes from is going, okay, well, it's going to cost you. Yes. But being able to assess it and going, what is this actually going to cost me each week? What, like I remember when we got to points of you, you were comparing it to the amount of houses you have to buy <laughs> to, off- to offset the maintenance and the purchase. And it's like, that's a great way to think about it. It's not that it has to be positive. Like, yes, it will probably be a negative. However, you need to win and celebrate along the way because then you go, ah, oh, it's got. So, so many good points on that. So uh, just to be really transparent on this, I did pay for the car, uh, pay for the car in cash, number one. There is no finance on this. And I think for these types of purchases, this is my opinion, obviously not financial advice. If you have to use debt to mark milestones, then probably shouldn't be buying them. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the second one there is like the equivalent to your point is like the equation. I looked at it from here and go, well, how can I look at this in a very, very different way? I think when you can start to make these purchases without it affecting your wealth goals, that's when the timing starts to become more important. So for yep. me and my circumstances, yes, I could have. this could have been a deposit for another property. Yep. Really could have. But um, at the same time, he's like, I don't need another property right now to achieve my wealth goals. Like I've been able to go on this and can see I'm well on track for the things I want to achieve. I've actually achieved a big milestone. Will this defer the rate of growth I could have got? Yes. But is it going to affect my quality of life or ability to hit these things? Not at all. And that was, that was a really big relief for me. Yep. Um, so that was probably one of the other things I looked at as well. I think overanalyzing it was a mistake for me. I think many people will struggle with what I did. I was looking at, well, if I did this with the money, what would I get over 10 years versus buying this and the maintenance and all these things? And then um, this was actually you again that really had an influence on me here. And I bring this up because I'm sure there's other business owners that have gone through this struggle. I was like, you have a business, just create more. <laughs> or like, oh, you're acting like you're on a fixed income. And I'm like... <laughs> 
why am I doing that? Like I can totally – like the value of this car I can create across the next year if I want to. Like I have that as an opportunity for myself, yet I'm acting like, no, 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 this is all you're going to have. Like there was a scarcity mindset towards this pur- purchase, even oh. though that mindset doesn't exist for anything I do in investing or business. Like everything I'm, I'm very future-focused. I'm happy to play a bigger game. I see the bigger things I can create. But with this one, it was a struggle for some reason. Yeah, and it – it's probably the, the final point that, that I'm just going to make on this is that, uh, and this is going to get deep, uh, like we only live one life, right? What, what are you going to do? Delay gratification until you're 80 and you can't enjoy it, right? Like stop along the way and celebrate what you have achieved. Because there are people on this podcast that we've, you and I have spoken to because they reach out. Everyone pings us on Facebook and they share their wealth creation. They share their journey. And I was like, great, like celebrate that <laughs> that is that is one that i am in every single person's corner going i can go like yes i want to ask you how you're going to double it triple it and all those kind of things but i'm like how how have you celebrated how have you stopped and just gone far out that that is impressive like that because at the end of the day when when we all kick the bucket which we all will uh we go and push the chips back in and it continues to cycle again right i like the concept of being able to set my children up but in 10 generations time who was Grant? Like no one will remember, no matter how much money I leave behind. So for me, I, I'm not sacrificing my life for everybody else. I need to have some fun along the way within reason. Yeah, I think this is a very different episode. Like obviously normally we're quite fo- focused on the wealth stuff, but this is a side of it that must be mastered and incorporated in my opinion. And uh, to the point there is like I secretly hope that Jack learns to drive manual in this car. So I'm like, oh. These are the things. There, there was obviously the story that Charlie shared around uh, borrowing said parents' car. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, did, I did. Jack, when you're listening to this, I have told Charlie to leave the keys when you're 16 just on top of the hook above the kitchen bench. Coded a mobilizer on this baby. He will never know the code. <laughs> Ping me, Jack. I'll tell you the code. But, <laughs> so to wrap this episode up, uh, the, the key messaging that we wanted to walk through here is like, you can see the passion in sort of obviously what you've enjoyed in this whole journey, Charlie. And I know for the next 10, 20 years, you're going to have the exact same thing, as do I with my watches, right? Like I can put them out on display, talk to anyone about it. And so everyone listening, celebrate those wins. Note that it's, it will impact your compounding interest of your growth of your whole net worth, but it's not the end of the world because at what point is enough going to be enough? Whether you're going to look at uh, a, a net worth milestone along the way whether it's a business milestone like i I bought watches on the sale of equity like there are these things throughout your life that you just need to celebrate and it doesn't need to be a big celebration it doesn't need to be a small celebration just make sure that you do those things or otherwise it's just going to be a very long road where you've delayed gratification for way too long that you're just going to get to a point in your life where you just go huh I wish I went back and celebrated as I appreciate you, Charlie, for sharing it. Like you said, I waited too long. I should have celebrated some of these things earlier as well. Exactly why I wanted to make this episode because I look at that and go, I, I want to pass it. I want to have these conversations because I think it's an important thing. Agreed. And just one thing, this is not a floodgate. This is not. This episode is not to justify everyone just going out and buying things, right? You understand your wealth position. I do not. This is our opinion of where we have gone on it. But yeah, just assess that and know that yeah, we do stop and we do smell the roses along the way, albeit we've delayed in some circumstances and rightly or wrongly. Uh, hindsight is always a valuable thing, but we we always support everyone and your decisions. But again, if you actually are at this point 
and you go, I got no idea. I, I want to hear more of the stories. Head over to Facebook and go and search for Asset Blocks Community. Jump into the conversation. Ping us. Talk to us. I don't know. But everyone seems to add me up on Facebook as with you, Charlie. Just message us. That's completely fine. We are yeah. here. We're all part of the same network. I love the questions. I love hearing from you. If you're this deep in the episode by now and you're like, oh, I'd love to chat to Charlie or Grant or both of them about this, do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah, because this, this is what we live and breathe. This is exactly what we celebrate. And if you did enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe. But also, if you've got someone else who's going through a similar journey, just shoot them the link and just say, this might be for you. Go and, go and buy your 2006 Hawkeye WRX STI D-Spec. Like, this is what you need to celebrate. And thanks again for joining us. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition.